What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Modern Creative Podcast. It is your boy, Alberto Mendoza. How are you doing? I am well. Thank you for asking. What is going on? Um, quick little life updates. What have I been doing? What have I been doing? I feel like throughout the week, I'm doing a lot. But when it comes to sitting down and telling you what I've been doing, I just simply do not remember. A lot of editing, a lot of shooting. I'm currently testing out a couple of editors as we speak right now. So that's some exciting news. Take the workload off me and uh, start delegating some of those those little, I mean, I'm not going to say little work, little tasks, because they're pretty big tasks. But if I could find an editor that's a little better than me, that's going to be a plus for me. And I could just focus on working on the business than, rather than working in the business. So got that going on. Hopefully it works out. There's like the freaking six editor I'm tr- kind of trying out right now as we speak. But yeah, uh, other than that, a new drone just dropped this week, and that is the DJI Mavic Air 3. I swear, DJI, I don't know how they do it. Every six months, they're just pumping new drone, new technology, new everything. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, so let's talk about the DJI Air 3. This drone is pretty much the little brother of the Mavic 3 series. Uh, this is like pretty much the mid-tier drone. There is the mini version, then there is the Air version, and then there is the Mavic version. And then, of course, there is the Inspire, which... Yeah, that's not for us, I think. Other than that, uh, this drone has 4K up to 100 frames per second, 4K 60 frames per second. And this new piece of technology that this has is that it could also do vertical videos. And I know you're probably saying that, well, the Mini 3 does the, um, the vertical video and photos as well. This one doesn't actually rotate the camera, so it's all software based. So if you choose to shoot vertical, it's going to go from a 4K video to a 2.7K video um, just based off the software. So it's going to have a crop automatically. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I have to see what the end results look like. Um, when I do decide to crop my own videos, I think it's probably just best to just shoot the highest resolution for my case is like 5.1K. And then from there, throw it to my software editor and then I could crop it from there and still have that 5.1K look-ish in a way, uh, rather than having a 2.7K look. Uh, And then of course you can't really control how much compression that the app is gonna do for your own, um, I guess like video content. But if you are an individual that just doesn't care about uh, going super deep dive when it comes to the editing process. So that's probably gonna be a great tool for you. This drone does 48 megapixel stills, which is pretty damn impressive. This drone also comes with two different cameras. It has the 3X zoom, which is equivalent to about 70 millimeters. And that is the sweet focal length that I wish my drone had. I have the original Mavic 3, which has the standard 24 millimeter look. And then it has a 7X zoom, which is about 167 millimeters. I love using that focal range. I use it a lot because it's the only one that I have, but it's a little too tight. And I've caught myself needing to scoot back a little bit more or fly backwards just to get that nice frame. And the 100 or the 70 millimeter, the 3X zoom that the Mavic 3 Pro now has, plus the Air 3 has, that is just a sweet range, man. It's just a good range, 70 millimeters. Every time I see it on YouTube, I just like, oh man, I wish I had that specific focal length. If I had the chance to replace my second camera, I would definitely replace the 7X zoom to the 3X zoom in a heartbeat because 70 millimeters is just a really, really great sweet spot in my opinion. And uh, yeah, I mean, people could say, well, why don't you just upgrade to the Mavic 3 Pro? I could do that, but I want to sell my drone first before I purchase 
another drone. So right, I'm, I currently have my uh, Mavic 3 in the market as we speak. Uh, I had a few bites, but nothing official, of course. Uh, so if you guys are interested in buying the Mavic 3, which it's, uh, at this point is um, obsolete, they stopped producing that specific drone. Um, if you want to purchase that one, feel free to reach out, send me a DM, and then we can figure something out. Uh, but once it, uh, once I do sell it, I do plan on getting the Mavic 3 Pro because I want that 70 mil look. One major issue that I see uh, the content creators on YouTube reviewing this specific drone is that they are not happy with the sensors size. Uh, it's actually a smaller sensor than the, I believe the Air 2S, which doesn't really make sense how that works. Uh, I Again, I'm not really familiar with the Air series. I'm more of the Mavic series. And uh, yeah, I mean, people are really not happy about that. So it's hard to advertise that you could shoot so many megapixels and so much resolution when your image, when the sensor is really the key to pretty much everything. So that's why it's quite annoying when when people with like the iPhone or like the new Androids roll out, they always advertise 48 megapixels, 50 megapixels, so many megapixels, but the freaking sensor is like this this big. And so like, it doesn't really make sense how you could do that. They, what they pretty much do is they divide the sensor into quarters or sometimes even more. Um, I could get really nerdy with this, which I'll probably lose you guys, but look at, look into that if you want, if you guys really care about that. But it's really just, it's just, it sounds great for marketing purposes, but in reality, all those megapixels is a bunch of BS. And uh, uh, so that's what's going on with the Air 3. It's a smaller sensor, which again, not many people are happy about, but again, this drone is not for everybody. Um, but one other thing that I did uh, that failed to mention was that this drone does have a fixed aperture of 1.7 and 2.7. Um, that's for the uh, telephoto camera. And uh, I'm not a fan of that anymore. So originally when I had the Mavic, the original OG Mavic Pro, that had a fixed aperture of 2.8. So I needed to get uh, a bunch of ND filters. So I had a uh, Polar Pro 3 Series and they had like the ND8, 16, and 32. And I would always catch myself using the 16 and 32 uh, because I needed to reduce light into the sensor because it's it's an open lens at 2.7. So uh, now with the newer one, it has a 1.7. So even more light comes in, which is great for low light. Don't get me wrong. It's really amazing for low light. But in the middle of the day, I'm not shooting at night. I'm not shooting at dusk. I, I'm shooting for the most part in the middle of the day or, or first thing in the morning or sunset, um, which is very, very bright no matter what. And so I need to have either an ND filter. And now that I upgraded to the Mavic 3, I have an adjustable aperture, which that was, that's like, I, I was not used to that. So having that standard camera, uh, I guess, control feature of adjusting my aperture was like a game changer to me. So I could go all the way to F11 if I wanted to, to close the lens up and reduce the light. Don't get me wrong, I still use an ND filter, but instead of paying so much on these expensive ND filters, I bought just one specific ND filter, and I believe it's the ND16. Um, I forget what the brand name is, but I'll have it in the link in the description. But I know it's an ND16, so that's like, I pretty much have that on 24 seven for the most part. And and that is just the perfect strength. And uh, even if I'm shooting in the middle of the day at 12 p.m., I just could close up my lens to f11 and I'm still going to have a balanced image. Another feature that I'm currently jealous on not having on my specific drone is that for the Air 3 and the, and the Mavic 3 Pro, you could actually uh, color grade and shoot the second telephoto camera uh, into uh, D-Log-M. So that's a really cool feature because with my specific 
camera, the 3X or the 7X zoom. I know this sounds very confusing, guys, but with my 7X zoom, it only shoots in standard color mode. I can't really do much when it comes to the post-processing. So it's really hard for me to match both cameras from the 7X zoom to the standard 24 millimeter look uh, because I constantly shoot in D-log all the time. And so I have to put on the LUT, the conversion LUT on top of the separate LUT, and then I do my own color grading on top of that. But with the 7X zoom, I can't do that because it's a standard color mode. But the newer, once the Mavic 3 Pro came out, now you could actually color grade the 3X zoom, which is the one that I do not currently have. Uh, that one you could actually shoot it in D-Log, which is like, again, it sucks that I can't shoot that in a flatter profile so I could really adjust my own color flavor to, to my liking um, instead, of, instead of being stuck with the standard color mode, which again, it's not bad because with these cameras nowadays, I mean, you could really get away with shooting straight out the camera colors. If color grade is not your thing, don't be intimidated. You could literally sh go and shoot straight out the camera and it's gonna look freaking great as long as you expose properly. It's gonna look great no matter what. Speaking of that, uh, when I went to Kabul recently, uh, by the way, this is one of the photos that I took on my recent Kabul trip. Um, when I went to Kabul recently, I somehow messed up with my settings and I, and I shot um, in standard color mode. I didn't realize that until I got home and started working on my clips. I saw that they were not flat at all. My, that's kind of weird. And for those that are wondering, it's like, how did you not see that in your actual, on your remotes or on your phone or whatever? Uh, it's because I use Gamma Display Assist. So what that means is it's going to quote unquote, add a LUT to the actual image. So it looks like a, a contrasted and saturated image rather than a flat gray picture. So that kind of helps me expose a little bit better and on top of using a histogram. So that's why I couldn't tell. Um, I don't know what the hell happened, but I ended up shooting in standard color mode. But, but the weird thing is that I was still able to tweak a little bit on the actual post-processing. I was still able to manipulate a little bit of the colors and, and the temperature and whatnot. So if you take a look at my personal Instagram, I highly recommend you checking it out. I have a few drone clips and I'm gonna roll out more stuff, man. I'm, I'm realizing that I'm just gonna start flooding the streets with like drone content from previous work, previous trips. I don't even give a damn. I'm just gonna start doing it from here on out. And so you could see that it's really hard to tell that that was actually shot flat and then color graded itself. That for the most part, it's shot straight out the camera and I did a little bit of tweaking in post. So I was actually surprised how much, I can't say it's a lot of flexibility, but it's still workable. Uh, in post-production when it comes to color grading with the straight out the camera standard colors. I was very impressed. Uh, again, <laughs> I'm not gonna make that mistake again. I'd rather shoot in log because I could really go crazy with the colors and really make the purples to like blue and really just manipulate it to my liking if I, were, if I wanted to do that. But if you're an individual that is just not the greatest at color grading, I, trust me, I used to be that way and I'm still trying to get better every single day. Straight out the camera colors are freaking good. So who is this drone for? I'd say this is for someone that is looking to upgrade. If you have like an older model, like the Ares 2, which is a great freaking drone, or the um, even the 2 Pro, uh, you want to upgrade to like possibly the 3, but you don't really have the funds for that. Uh, the Air 3 is a perfect. It's listed at $1,099. So I think that's a great price for that specific drone. It's a, it's a beast. It's powerful. Uh, it pretty much has... 75 to 80% of the features that the uh, the Mavic 3 Pro has right now as far as flight time, um, obstacle avoidance, all, all the tech when it comes to like tracking and all that good stuff. It has a, all the same BS uh, besides little, little things, for example, like the sensor size. Like to me, 
The sensor size is what sells me is not the actual megapixels or the resolution. Again, those are freaking um, trigger triggering numbers that it's great for marketing and whatnot. But at the end of the day, if the sensor is small, um, you can't really it, it, it just doesn't really make sense to have so many megapixels and so many such a high resolution. Um, so I'm all about having the sensor size. So the sizes really do matter when it comes to the cameras. Uh, but if you're looking to create something, um, if you're like even a real estate pilot for like real estate agents or something like that, or just to have just something for yourself and just have some photos, that's a great, um, great drone. Uh, I definitely would recommend that one for sure. So I had to shoot this past week and uh, it got me thinking about working with this specific brand and specific company. I've been working with these people for about three years, probably even a little bit more. And it got me thinking like, damn, like we've, we've like, we've both seen each other grow from like being scrubs to like now, well, they're for sure like powerhouses in their specific field. And it got me thinking like, man, like they still like, they still mess with me and they still value me and they still want to work with me even through all these years. Like they could probably hire someone else if they wanted to. And uh, it got me thinking about like, like the key of nurturing those relationships. So I want to talk about five tips and how to nurture those relationships. Tip number one is communication is key. I know it's very cliche to say. But it's very important to uh, be fully transparent with your client as far as like expectation goes, let them know how things are going, um, giving some status updates with current projects. It's very important to maintain open and transparent communication with your clients um, within and throughout the project. So one thing I do is constantly let them know uh, expectations like, all right, for a project like this is going to take this amount of days or weeks or whatever um, on top of like, uh, let them know like, hey, we're, we're in stage one of the editing process, stage two of the editing process, whatever. I need you guys some feedback. Uh, so that's one thing I think I do pretty decent is constantly letting them know what's going on. If, if anything, I, I feel like I over communicate and I, there's nothing wrong with that. In my opinion, as long as you have boundaries, going back to the previous episode, I'm not going to uh, text people. I'm going to send them emails and whatnot. And uh, that's how I keep my communication. And if for anything, if there's any, like any weirdness happening, there's always a paper trail that you can fall back to. And uh, it's been kind of working out for me. Also, if they do email you, it's very important to respond to them promptly. Uh, again, I'm not going to respond at 9 p.m., 10 p.m. or whatever, or maybe sometimes on a weekend. Uh, but if, when it comes to like working hours, uh, Monday through Friday, I try to respond quite fast. Uh, it's especially, I mean, especially if you're out and about via mobile, unless I'm actually shooting something, of course, I'm not present to be grabbing my phone and checking what's going on. But if I'm on a break or something like that, and I grab my phone and I see a couple of emails and it's very easy to respond via mobile, then I'm going to do that real quick. And I, I do that quite often. It's, and one thing I do always get is like, oh, thank you for the fast respond. I, I get that quite often. And to me, it's like, well, duh, I'm going to respond. But apparently not many people respond on time or they give it to 24 to 48 hours, which I, I just don't believe in. If I could do it right there and then, I'm going to do it right there and then. I saw something on threads that was pretty interesting. I don't remember the exact quote that this person said. By the way, I'm like kind of loving threads. I know it kind of dipped down since the hype, but I still enjoy it. Anyways, uh, one person said like, remember guys, like uh, people close deals when they respond the fastest to an email uh, inquiry. And I, uh, I thought that was like, yo, facts. Like I make sure to respond pretty quick whenever I do get an inquiry. And if it's if I'm not ready to provide certain information, I at least let them know like, hey, I saw your message, I'm interested, and uh, let's have a, let's continue this conversation. So keep communication afloat. 
Love to know about the progress. Love to know about what's going on when it comes to scheduling. Love to know about the finishing touches, uh, strategy, whatnot. Just make sure you're keeping that communication as clear as possible. It's also very important to listen and understand their needs. Take the time to understand your client's preferences, needs, and concerns. One thing I've learned uh, throughout this whole freelance game is that people really love to talk and people love to talk about themselves. And so I make sure to be aware of that. So when I am having these Zoom meetings or even phone calls, so I always make sure to just shut up and just listen to them. I make sure to have a notepad and a pen and just jot down some key information that they're telling me as far as like, who is your target audience? Who is this video for? How many videos do you want? Do you want it for social media? Or do you want it for YouTube, Vimeo, et cetera? All those key details. So I do throw a million questions at them, but I always tell them like, hey, the more information I get from you, the better understanding I have of what is it that you need, the better I could tailor this specific package for you and have the end results work out for you. Number three is to be reliable and consistent. To this, I do not understand when creatives do not go with their word. I, I, I don't get that, man. Um, so I, I make sure to always be reliable <laughs> when it comes to communicating, when it comes to showing up, uh, showing up on time, if that, uh, when it comes to delivering an experience to them, uh, when it comes to delivering the actual end results. And yeah, man, I, I don't know. It's just, to me, it's like basic one-on-one, but apparently it isn't. Uh, not many people do that. So I, I don't quite understand that. If I tell someone I'm gonna deliver a video within 48 hours, I'm gonna for sure have a video within 48 hours. Uh, I just, no ifs and buts. Um, I have caught myself to shoot myself in the foot where I I say I'm gonna do something really quick and then a live comes at you and then crap, I need to turn this video in. But I make sure to actually always, always deliver on time. That form of consistency is going to build trust and reliability and trust me, that's gonna take you super far. Number four is to exceed expectations. Go the extra mile. If you tell them you're going to deliver four videos, I might throw in a 15 to 20 second Instagram reel on the house just to show like, hey man, like I really care about your success. Here's this, I appreciate your business and this hopefully is going to be a start of a great relationship. And for the most part, I quite, I do that often. I might throw them an extra edit here and there and it's like they really appreciate that and the right people are going to really take that and uh, be appreciative because there's been instances where you throw that extra edits and they expect that from here on out. It's like, hey, no, 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 man, like that, that was, that was a one-time kind of thing. But from here on out, it's going to cost this much. But like once you're, once you're in the game for a few years, you kind of sense certain people, like you know how they are and you know like how they move and whatnot. So like I, the people that I work with, man, like I, I don't know, either I'm the luckiest person ever or, or I'm doing something right because they, they seem to like really appreciate my work and I don't mind giving a little bit extra to them. For example, this one, this one company that I've worked with for uh, two, three years, I, decided to do a complimentary video for their specific brand because I said, you know what, man, you guys have been treating me really good. I am going to go out of my way to uh, make this video for you guys. And it, it's, it took us four hours to film this and it took me probably a day or two to edit this. Uh, and when I delivered the video to them, they like freaking were stoked that they've never had a, such a high quality end video like that. And so we're, I mean, we're still clearly working together and it's a, uh, it's a test to like our trust and, and reliability and, and me being appreciative. So it's like, it goes both ways too. So like, it's kind of like they scratch your back, you scratch their back. I I'm all about going the extra mile for, for my clients.
Last tip is to ask for feedback. Uh, one thing I do is when I'm working with people or when, I, when they're first trying to get to know me during the inquiry stage, I like to ask, hey, have you previously worked with the creative in the past? Have you worked with a videographer or photographer? So something you guys could say if you're a photographer. And they say, yeah, I have worked with a photographer or a videographer. And so I tell them like, hey, what is it that they did that, that you didn't like? So I make sure I don't do that myself. And a lot of it is just basic poor communication. They don't deliver what they say they're gonna deliver. Um, or if they do deliver, it's very late or just not the greatest experience. So I make sure to regularly seek feedback from my clients. Let them know like, hey, what is it that we could do to improve this experience or the service for you? And they pretty much say, for the most part, they usually say like, hey, just keep doing you. Like whatever you're doing, it's working. Um, we appreciate it. We like what you're doing. So that, that makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I know what I'm doing. And uh, it just, I don't know, it's just a good feeling to have. This also demonstrates your commitment to continuous growth and to always have improvements. So those are my five tips and I hope this actually helps you out. If it works for me, I don't see why it doesn't work for you. So again, just it's very basic stuff, guys. It's not hard. Um, it's all about pretty much discipline and keeping your word. It's really what it is. It's very hard to build that reputation upon yourself. So right now I'm at a good level but again, if I slip once, that reputation is going to go down the drain and I do not want that to happen. So I make sure to stay on it, communicate constantly, give them a great experience and uh, deliver a freaking great product for them. That is it for me, guys. Appreciate you guys for listening to this podcast. If you guys are on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please give it a five-star rating and give it a review. I really appreciate that. If you are on YouTube, hit the subscribe button on the channel. Um, give it a like on the actual video itself. And uh, if you guys are curious in how I create this podcast with very minimal gear, uh, check the link in the description. I have all my information, all my gear listed right there and uh, check it out. And uh, yeah, if you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out to me via DMs, via threads or via YouTube in the comments. All right, guys, I'll catch you guys later. Peace.